All right. Reading with minus. That's how the. That's the theme song, right? <clears throat> yeah. This is episode what? 14, 13? 13 to 14? That's, that's damn near two weeks of reading. Uh, that's cool. I'm proud of myself. Uh, I'm proud of you for sticking in and listening to this because uh, reading is difficult to do every day uh, with all these fancy phones and, and, and tweets and, and grams and snapchats that make things so much easier to uh, take things in. You know, I, I sometimes wonder if reading's like a, a, a going way of the birds, way of the dinosaurs. Uh, I mean, that's good because dinosaurs turned into birds and they became way better, way better singers now. Well, yeah, I know <clears throat> that's off topic. I'm glad you're listening to me read. Uh, I listened to a podcast the other day about people sitting in their New York apartment in their closet doing podcasts, and that's what everybody's doing. And the first thing I could think of was like, dang, man, I just do not have a closet. Um, so I probably need one of those if I'm gonna keep doing this podcast things, is getting a closet, first step. Okay. Call my mom and say, I made it. Got a closet now to do podcasts in. What are your podcasts? I just read, just read out loud. In a closet? By yourself? Yeah. Who's listening? It doesn't matter, Mom. Okay. All right. Really back to this, what we're doing here. We're reading The Hungry Tigress. The story we're on today is The Quill and the Falcon. Uh, we're going to read that in the commentaries like always. All right. Here we are. Once, the Buddha was a little quill who one day decided... He had enough of peeking, pecking out his living on the hard, sun-baked earth. I'll make my way to greener fields, he said. I need to change. Flapping his wings, he rose up and without a single regret, sailed out over the dry plains. Soon he was flying over entirely new terrain. Green grass waved in the sunlight. Streams rippled and ran. The little quill was beside himself with delight. This is it, he said to himself, paradise. And down he spiraled towards his new home. But he was not alone. A great falcon flying high above saw the little quill and folding his wings above, I mean, uh, folding his wings dove down upon him. In less than a minute, the little quill had been plucked from the sky and in shock found himself in the falcon's grasp. I'm lost. What chance do I have? I thought the, thought the little quill. In despair, but before sinking into the final fluttering panic, he said to himself, he is a fierce falcon and I'm just a little quill. Still, I, if I keep my wits about me, I may even the odds yet. And instead of weeping and crying, he now shouted loudly, unfair, unfair. What, said the falcon, surprised? Why, little bird, whatever do you, whatever can you mean? Just that you caught me at a disadvantage, that's all exclaimed the little quill. You caught me far from home, but my, on my own home grounds, you would never have caught me. There you'd find it impossible to turn me into a meal. The falcon was intrigued. No quill has ever said such things to him before. The others had wept or screamed, had fainted or <laughs> fainted away or pleaded for their lives, yet in the end he had eaten them all. This was a new twist. Little bird, he said, bending his sharp beak 
and fierce yellow eyes down towards the little quill. Whatever do you mean? I mean what I mean that on my home ground, I'm free. Just try and get me there. B uh, big as you are, you'd be no match for me there. Surely you jest, said the falcon, bringing the razor edge of his beak even closer. The little quill closed his eyes and took a deep breath and said, Why should I jest? If I'm wrong, you'll eat me. I'll be your uh, supper anyway. But what's the matter? He added bravely, opening his eyes once more. Don't you think you can bring, uh, bring it off? Come, said the falcon, irritated despite himself. Show me your home ground, little braggarder. And, and that, he added with a meaningful squeeze of, the, of his claws, will we'll be that. Okay. Um, when, he, when the little quill felt the falcon's claws closing tighter around him, he almost gave up all hope. But then, catching his breath, he yelled, just fly on, fly. We're almost there. And sure enough, in another minute, he was an old, dry, dusty, and sure enough, in another minute, his own old, dry, dusty patch was directly below. A wave of relief and joy flooded the quill's heart, and the yelling even louder now, the yelling even louder, he called, Out! There it is, down below! What? said the falcon, peering down. The sun-baked field? Surely you can't have grown <clears throat> to such a, uh, a great, big, powerful bird like yourself down there. And he laughed. What, said the falcon peering down, the sun-baked field? Surely you can't have grown into such a great, big, powerful bird like yourself down there. And he laughed. Well, said the quill, just sit, set me down in the middle of the field, of my field, and we'll soon see who's the strongest. All right, said the falcon, I will. And swooping down, he set the little quill free in the center of the field. The earth was dry and sun-baked. The grass, the grass is yellow and stiff, but the little quill hopped up and down, with excitement. This is it. Home sweet home. Watch out now. Just try to get me. Be right back, smiled the falcon. And with the great flopping of the wings, he soared up and up and up, higher and higher and higher. At last, he was so high, he looked like a tiny dot, almost lost again in the bright sky and sun. At the top of his climb, the falcon suddenly turned, folded his wings against his body, and dropped his sharp beak first straight down like a uh, living stone toward the little quill who sat exposed and alone in the center of the field. Down, 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 he fell, faster and faster. The defensive quill crouched down low against the hard sun-baked earth and watched the falcon growing larger and larger above him. First, the falcon seemed um, to be only a, a, only a speck, then a dot, then a pebble, then the last, a great, farce yellow-eyed bird, talons outstretched, dropping with a lightning bolt directly upon him. The time had come. With a sudden motion, the little quill hopped up and leapt aside, and the falcon wide-eyed tearing down at his uh, topmost speed had no chance to swerve aside. Crash! He hurtled into the rock-hard earth and instantly died. Then the little quill flopped his wings and whistled a dance of joy, for home ground had indeed saved him. The end. What a funny story, uh, because a falcon died. <laughs> Um, and not the Buddha, which, uh, you know, it's great. I, I like that the Buddha's making the most out of his life in any life. You know, he was uh, upset as being a quill for like living in this like terrible place, but you know, still he does the best that he can to, to survive. Uh, he's not depressed and trying to give it all up and go, I'm done with this quill life. I'm, I'm ready to be a shark or something, you know? 
I, I appreciate that. I, I guess that's just nothing else you can do but survive, so. Yeah. All right. Here is the commentaries. <clears throat> Tales in which the small and weak triumph over the big, strong, and proud are among the most universal and timeless of all story types. Such tales express the essence of all more complex stories of good versus evil, and may, it has been con uh, conjugated, be deeply rooted in the structure of the human psyche, an effect perhaps of our evolution, evolutionary roots. Millions of, of years ago, after all, we were small, weak, and almost helpless creatures surrounded by truly huge and powerful and dangerous animals, animals much bigger and tougher than any now living. Cleverness, the connection of mental agility with goodness, as well as abiding faith in the triumph of the small over the large, and a tendency to root for the underdog may be our psychological inheritance for these ancient times. I mean, not only is it probably, yeah, inheritance, I guess it comes down with this. Yeah, it's a part of survival. I mean, we, you just got to. If you're the prey, you, what else can you do but try to survive? Um, this little jacata also bears a remarkable resemblance to the classic hoppy tale, Field Mouse Goes to War. In, the, in that Native American tale, a tiny mouse destroys an attacking hawk by the same essential, non-violent, non-aggressive star, star, star gem. At the last moment, uh, he leaps aside and lets the hawk destroy itself. Why should a hoppy and a Buddhist story have such a clear similarity? The archetype view is that the minds of people all around the world are so similar that essentially similar story patterns will emerge. Given the right conditions in every culture and every period time, period of time, just as people everywhere uh, are recognizable as humans, two eyes, a head, a nose, a mouth, arms, legs, etc. So too, there is a human shape to the mind. Or just as the trees of one type will bring forth identical buds and leaves, so too the mind brings forth its archetype in dreams and stories. The other view, the culture dis of cultural dis dissemination dissemination suggests that in the depths of history there have been clear cultural exchanges known now unknown to us. Other factors such as environment and its effects on the mind may also come to interplay. Perhaps the truth includes combination of all possibilities. What is the underlying ground that saves the little quill in this Jakarta? In the Buddhist terms, it might be the ground of being unlimited, unconditioned mind itself. From the ground, we can, we can face all dangers. In the Pali Jakarta, the Buddha comments on the tale he just told of a falcon and the quill, interpreting it more specifically for monks. Oh, brethren, when people leave their own situation, station, Mara finds a door. What is foreign ground, brethren, and what is the wrong place for a brother? I mean the five pleasures of sense. What are these five? The lust of the eye and so on? This, brethren, is the wrong place for a brother. This Brief Aesop-like animal fable also recalls the well-known African-American story, Bear Rabbit and the Bear Patch. Having tricked Bear Fox into tossing him into the Bear Patch, the ever-resourceful Bear Rabbit escapes once more, singing out, Born and bred in the, the Bear Patch, Bear Fox, born and bred in the Bear Patch. 
for more Jakarta connections with the bear rabbit see Prince five weapons in the story of the Devata and traditional scene as the Falcon okay it's that one story I think wait have we seen that no no we haven't we haven't read that story yet well that's the end of that um that's pretty cool I I, I like the underdog thing and, and I like that you try to use your wits as much as you can and just use what you have as much as you can um even if you do have strength and you're bigger than someone uh just be mindful of that and understand it and use it. Uh, this just makes me think of playing basketball and uh, I'm not the biggest person, but I have endurance, I feel like, or at least heart. And I, yeah, I'm going to use it. I love seeing people go, like, why you run around? I like hearing people, like, when they're about to guard me, just be like, oh, man. Because I'm like, yeah, it's about to be work, goddammit. Because you tall are bigger than me, are better at basketball than me. But I will make you run around in circles. And that's okay with me, you know. What else could we be doing? Um, all right. Well, thank you for listening. And um, oh yeah, I do illustrations. Finest at on Instagram at Finest does the art. Um, got this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to not so much. I don't know. Trying to get out the rat race to a certain extent. I don't. I don't know. Just be good at something. Have a namesake. Have a legacy, possibly. Who knows? All right. Well, thanks. Boop, doop, 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 boop, 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 boop